Let's stretch out our hands if you're, if you're able. Father, thank you for Becky. Lord, thank you for the, the fire that you've placed in our heart for this evening and the words that you've given her. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here that you would give us ears and hearts that are open to hear a word from you this evening, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lewis. So Lewis has given me a bit of an introduction already, but for anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Becky. I do work for TF Fund, and you will all be very pleased to know that this is the first Christmas jumper that I've ever worn and that I've ever owned. And I really wanted to get into the festive spirit this evening, so I went and bought this jumper this afternoon. And it wasn't quite as much as a bag in his Jerry's from the charity shop, but I thought it was £15, and it went through the till at £8. And so, yeah, come on, I was very pleased about that. That's the awkward moment when you're at the shop and you're like, do you point out the fact that it was actually marked at £15? Do you say nothing? You've got this moral dilemma going on in your head. I'll be honest, I didn't say anything, but I'm just going to take it as a Black Friday discount that I didn't know was going on. So I accidentally bought some Black Friday discounted Christmas jumpers. Um, I have been coming to St. John's for two and a half years now. Um, I love being a part of this community here. Um, so it's a privilege to be here tonight to be able to speak with you. Um, I'm going to be speaking on a passage of scripture that is found in John 4, and it is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And John's account of this story in John 4, it begins a bit like this. So Jesus is traveling from Judea back to Galilee, and to get there on a direct route, he needs to go through a place called Samaria. Jesus is making this journey with his disciples. The journey is about 70, 70, 75 miles long, so that would take about two and a half days to walk. It is very hot. Jesus is tired and he is thirsty, so he stops at a place called Jacob's Well in the Samaritan town of Sychar. Jesus is sat at the well, it's about midday, and along comes a woman and she is collecting water in the heat of the day. Jesus asked this woman for a drink of water, which seems like quite a simple question, given how far he's walked and how hot it is. But what begins is a life-changing encounter between this woman and Jesus, for both her and her community. And so that is what we are going to chat about a bit this evening. So I think that there are two key things that we should highlight from the outset of our exploration of this passage. And the first is this. It is the story of the Samaritan woman is the story of a woman who was deeply ashamed of who she was and her past experiences. And when I get, we're going to get into some of the reasons for that later on. When I was reflecting upon this passage, I've realized that I never have felt anything quite like what this woman experienced. The closest emotion that I felt like I could relate to was a deep sense of embarrassment and admittedly that's because I have a habit of embarrassing myself on quite a regular basis. Um, a little while ago, I was walking through Richmond, nice nearby here, and it was one of the first sunny days of the year. And so I was with a friend, and we decided that we would like to get some ice cream. That's what you do on the first sunny day of the year. And so we wandered around Richmond, and we couldn't find an ice cream shop. So that's okay. We popped into Tesco to get some Magnums, white chocolate Magnums. Everyone knows they're the best ice cream. And we got ourselves some Magnums. We came out of Tesco. I'm wandering through Richmond, enjoying the sunshine. I've got my ice cream, just for the detail, in my left hand. Um, in my right hand, doing in my left from right now, talking to my friend. He is on my left. And we walk up through Richmond, and we cross the road to go down towards the river, to sit by the river with some ice cream. As I'm walking along, as we cross the road, I don't notice that there's a blackboard outside of a cafe advertising their menu, and it has blown over in the wind. And so this blackboard is lying flat on the pavement. 
as I wander along with my ice cream, chatting to my friends, I walk into this blackboard. And you know when you trip and you fall and you know what's going on, so you try and catch yourself and it makes the situation a whole lot worse and you send yourself flying even further. Well, that's exactly what I did. And I fell flat on my face in the middle of a very busy Richmond. My friend, <laughs> yeah, it was very awkward. My friend simply stood there bewildered by the entire situation, did not know what to do, so just stood there and stared at me, incredibly helpful. And this lovely older man, he rushed over, helped me up to my feet, and proceeded to explain to me what had happened, how I tripped over this blackboard. It was... (laughs) It was incredibly awkward. I was very embarrassed. There were lots of people wandering by. They were staring. And you know when somebody falls over and you know that they're okay and you just can't help but laugh. Well, there were plenty of people walking past who had grins and smirks on their face because they had just seen what I'd done. And I had to carry on walking through Richmond with some scuff jeans, a very sore ankle, which I had to go and ice with peas for the rest of the evening, and a very dented ego. But you will all be very pleased to know I saved my magnum. My magnum didn't touch the floor. still got to eat my magnum. So at least I saved the ice cream. That's the best part of the story. So I wonder if for you, as we try and relate to the Samaritan woman and the sense of shame that she felt, I wonder if maybe you can think of your most embarrassing moment, your most embarrassing story, just to relate to you and get an idea of the sense of shame that she felt. I think the second thing for us to highlight from the outset of um, our exploration of this passage is that the story of the Samaritan woman is the story of an outsider. It's the story of a woman who was excluded. She was alienated from her community. Now, I don't know if you have ever felt excluded. I don't know if you've ever felt like an outsider. You might have been at a party or a social occasion. You might have felt like you didn't fit in. You could have experienced discrimination in your workplace. It could be rejection in your personal life. Whatever it is, I think that we can all relate to this feeling of being an outsider at some point in our life. And so at the outset of this woman's encounter with Jesus, we have some shared commonality with her. So to help us look at this encounter in more detail, we are going to read from John 4, verses 7 to 19. It is page 1066 in the Church Bible. There are plenty along the sides if you want to grab one and read along with me if you find that helpful. And so John 4, starting at verse 7, it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If only you knew the gift that God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come to this well to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the man that you are living with now you are not even married to. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
And so a lot happens in these first few verses. What begins with Jesus simply asking this woman for a drink of water turns into an encounter in which he calls out her behavior with men and tells her that what she really needs is something else, and it's living water. When I was first reading back over this passage, and particularly verses 16 to 18, where Jesus calls out this woman on her behavior, he explicitly asks her to go and get her husband, I was a bit shocked, I was a bit taken aback. And if I'm honest, my initial reaction was, Jesus, that's not okay, you can't talk to somebody like that. It's kind of rude. I don't know about you, but if I was that woman, if I was at the well, and somebody asked me for a drink of water, I'd be a bit surprised, and I'd kind of be like, mate, where's your bucket? Why can't you get your own water? I think I'd then be like, when he tried to call me out on my behavior to tell me how he thought I should behave, I think I'd have a lot of questions. I'd want to know, who was that man? Why did he think that he could tell me how to behave? How did he know about me and my past experiences? But upon some further reflection, I realized that Jesus wasn't trying to be harsh towards this woman. He wasn't abrupt from the outset. He began his conversation with her by simply asking for a drink of water. And I think what was really going on here is that Jesus is trying to say to this woman, I see you, I see your hurt, I see your shame, but I can offer you what you were really looking for in your many relationships. I think Jesus was really trying to help her to understand that what she was looking for in men, it wasn't going to satisfy her, but that he could offer her something that would satisfy her from the inside out, and that is a relationship with God. And so what did Jesus do? Well, he actively sought out this woman despite her brokenness, and that is a true representation of the grace of God. I wonder if you just take a moment to think about this question, what really makes you happy? What really makes you happy? I think when most of us answer this question, we talk about something that is outside of ourselves. So it could be our family, it could be money, possessions, our career, and all of those are good things in and of themselves. And many of us have been blessed with those things from God. But I think that what this passage of scripture is trying to reveal to us is something that's really important. And it is that nothing outside of us can truly satisfy the thirst that we all have deep down inside of us. This woman's relationships with many men, they weren't satisfying her. They were not making her happy. Jesus tells this woman at the well that he can offer her living water, will ensure that she is never thirsty again and give her access to eternal life. When Jesus presents her with this offer of eternal life, he's not just giving her access to heaven, but he is offering her authentic relationship with God, which will quench her soul thirst, which will give her the thing that she's really looking for in life. You know, John 4 is a well-known passage of scripture, but as as someone who's been a Christian for a long time, it's a passage of scripture that I've often overlooked, I've often just skipped over in my Bible reading. I don't think I've ever really taken a moment to actually comprehend the offer that Jesus is making to this woman and he's also making to us. Why? Why have I never stopped to really consider this passage, to really think about this offer in detail? I think it's because most of the time in my own life, I'm not really able to recognize the kind of soul thirst that Jesus is describing in John 4. You know, as we go through life, I think as long as we believe that we've got some kind of chance of achieving success, we can remain motivated, we can keep pushing forward, we can keep going. But what about when we become discouraged like the Samaritan woman was? What about when we are not successful in that thing that we were aiming for? Or what about when we reach success, 
whatever that even looks like, and we realize that we still aren't satisfied, we are still lost, we still feel empty inside. You know, I had a time in my life a few years ago, um, it lasted for about eight months, and I would say that in that season of my life, I genuinely lost most of my hope. I was suffering from a physical illness, and as I went through lots of tests and I waited for treatment, we really didn't know what the outcome was going to be. We didn't know what my life was going to look like. At the time, I was 22 years old. I had just graduated from university with a master's. I had worked really, really hard to get a good education, and I had just been offered a role at an organization that I had dreamed of working at since I was about 17 years old, maybe even younger. But in that time, my life was on hold, and I felt like everything I'd been working for, striving for, aiming for, I really felt like it had been taken away from me. I didn't know if I would ever get to do, to reach, to achieve any of those things. Thankfully, through the prayers of many faithful people and medical knowledge, I got better. But in that time in my life, God, through his kindness and his great grace, he taught me so much. And I think what God really taught me in that season was that I had not been living for him. I had been putting my sense of worth in my achievements, in my academic success. I put my hope in the things of the world and not in him. And what I really needed to be doing was to be living for Jesus, was to be putting my hope in him. We've all got things in our lives that we live for. It could be our careers, it could be romantic relationships, it could even be community. And all of those things, they are good and they are given to us by God. But if Jesus is not the main thing that you live for, if it is anything else, if it is marriage, if it's money, if it's success, it will fail you just like I experienced when I was ill. And when that thing fails you, you will become overwhelmed with fear, with anger, with anxiety, because the thing that you have used to quench your soul thirst, it was not Jesus. That was the exact experience of the Samaritan woman. But what did Jesus do? He intentionally reached out to her. He offered her relationship with him. And I think Jesus has given us, our communities, our workplaces, our families, the exact same invitation today. And so, so far, what can we see? Well, we can identify from the Samaritan woman's behavior that she was not satisfied. She hadn't found what she was looking for. And that is really what Jesus was trying to help her to understand. You know, in that society, drawing water wasn't only a necessity, but it was a high point in a woman's day. It was when she got to go and meet with other women in a community, when she got to go and socialize with them. Most of the other women in this woman's community, they would have been getting water in the morning. And they would have been doing that because that when it was when it was still cool. It hadn't, got, it hadn't got too hot yet. For this woman, what does it clearly say in this passage? That she was drawing water in the heat of the day. Why? Why was she there? She was there because she was trying to avoid the other women in her community. She was an outsider. She wanted to hide from them. The thing that she had been using to try and quench her soul first, to fill the void that she felt inside of her, instead it had left her feeling alone, feeling isolated, feeling like an outsider. You know, given who this woman was, her past experiences, the fact that Jesus even spoke to her was pretty bold. It was pretty radical. Firstly, she was a woman, and it was scandalous for a Jewish man to speak to a woman in public at that time. Not only that, but Jesus was a Jew, and she was a Samaritan. In that time, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were enemies. The Samaritans were considered by the Jews to be inferior, to be heretics. They didn't speak to each other. They avoided each other at all costs. 
And finally, this woman was an outsider in her community as a result of her past experiences. Her own community, the Samaritans, they were already a marginalized people in themselves. But this woman, she was marginalized even within her own, her own marginalized community. You might notice this as we reflect and read upon this passage that is simply titled The Samaritan Woman. We simply know her as the Samaritan Woman or the Woman at the Well. We don't even get to know her name. And I think that is just a true representation of just how isolated, just how excluded she was. We don't even know her name. But what did Jesus do? Despite the fact that she was a woman, despite the fact that she was a Samaritan, despite the fact that she was immoral, he engaged with this woman. Jesus traveled back to Galilee via Samaria. And when we first read that in this passage, it doesn't seem that unusual. It doesn't seem that abnormal. But many commentaries written on John 4, they would suggest that most Jews at the time, if they had been traveling in the direction of Galilee from Judea, they would have avoided Samaria. They would have gone via Jericho and up the Jordan Valley so they didn't have to go through Samaria. They didn't have to speak with these people. But Jesus, what did he do? He chose to travel directly to Galilee via Samaria. I think this point is really important because what Jesus knew is he knew that this woman would be there. He knew that she would be at the well and he made a powerful move to intentionally step out across almost every barrier that we can put between ourselves and another human being. Barriers of gender, barriers of race, moral barriers in order to meet this woman and to offer her relationship with God. And when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, that was the exact thing that he was doing for us. He was breaking down all the barriers of sin, all the barriers of shame that prevented us from entering into relationship with God so that we could know him, so that we could be with him. I firmly believe that Jesus is calling us here today to step out across the divides, to meet people around us, to offer them relationship with Jesus. You know, everyone in the world, everyone we encounter in our daily lives, the people in our workplaces, our schools, our universities, our families, they are all living for something. They are all trying to quench their soul thirst with something. They are all trying to fill the void that they feel inside. And as Christians, we have got what they need, even if they don't realize it. You know, I began at the outset um, of this talk by referencing the shared commonality that we have with the woman at the well. We have a shared commonality with the woman at the well, but we also have a shared commonality with all of the people in our communities. And it is this, we are all broken and we are all in need of Jesus. There are so many people around us every day who are broken, they feel ashamed, they feel like they don't belong, they feel like the outsider. And Jesus is calling us today to step out across barriers, to step out across divides, to reach these people, to offer them relationship with Jesus. You know, at the end of this encounter in John 4, John writes, this woman, she went back and told her community all about her encounter with Jesus. And then her community flocked to be with Jesus and they stayed with him for two days. I think this is evidence that our testimony, it is a really powerful thing. Because of this woman's testimony, an entire community got to meet with Jesus. And we have opportunities every day in our lives to share our testimony, to share our faith with the people that we meet as well. And so as we close, um, I wonder if the band might like to come back um, and get ready to play. I think there are a couple of invitations that are extended to us by Jesus this evening. If you know deep down inside tonight that you have been trying to fill the void that you feel inside, that you've been trying to fill any sense of emptiness that you feel with something that is not Jesus, then tonight I think that God is extending an invitation to you to fill that void instead with him. 
You know, at the beginning of this meeting, we sang in worship, and we sang a, sang a song, and it has the words in it, I am forgiven, I am restored. And I really felt like God is speaking to the lives of individual people in this room tonight. And what he is saying is, whatever you've done, whatever it might be, whatever you've been trying to fill the void in your life with, it is okay. You are not too far from God's love. This Samaritan woman, she does so many relationships with various men. Jesus didn't care. He just wanted to reach her. He just wanted to offer her a relationship with God. And tonight, I think he's saying that same thing to you guys in the room. Whatever you've done, whatever it might be, it's okay. He wants to have an authentic relationship with you. And secondly, I think God is inviting us to be part of his mission to bring people into relationship with him. Lewis read some really powerful words um, before we broke for the break, and it was that we believe in a God who wants to set the oppressed free, to bind up the brokenhearted, and as Christians here on earth, God calls us to be part of that mission too, and to work with him to set the oppressed free, to bind up the brokenhearted. And so, as we continue in worship, I think God wants us to take an opportunity to think about the people in our daily lives, in our workplaces, our communities, our families, that we can share our faith with, that we can offer relationship with God. You know, we've launched our Christmas services tonight. We're all wearing our Christmas jumpers, which is very fun. And Christmas is the perfect time to invite someone along to church with you. St. John's have got so many incredible events coming up. We've got carol services coming up. And I wonder if tonight this is your opportunity to think about who in your community you can invite to come along to one of those services with you. If you feel like that's too much too soon, that's you're not quite there yet, the person you're thinking of is not quite there yet, then that's okay. Why don't you invite that person around for dinner, take them to the pub, offer to buy them a drink, build relationship with them, share your faith with them, share your testimony with them. We really have what these people need, and it is relationship with Jesus. Amen. Yeah, wow. Um... Yeah, uh, Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for that word. And uh, Lord, we pray um, as we worship you tonight, Jesus, as we close by worshiping you, we pray that you would come and uh, meet with us at the well. Lord, that you would come and satisfy us where our needs are. Uh, And Lord, that you would come and inspire us this evening, Jesus, uh, to draw to mind, Lord, that you would draw into hearts those to invite uh, into this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so as Becky said, uh, I think what I'd um, love for us to do, if you are um, on the prayer ministry team, if you've done the training, it would be great if you could um, come forward. Um